Good morning, Door Creek. Oh, we sit here with this kind of look today. <laughs> Big mistake, right? Uh, welcome. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. I'm Pastor David, one of the teaching pastors and the Northside Madison pastor. Thank you all for coming this morning. Uh, it's exciting. We're starting a new series today called Big Mistake, Lesson Learned. And as you see by the cartoonist kind of uh, advertisement here, um, our mistakes are sometimes big, sometimes they are small. The important thing is that do we learn a lesson from the mistakes that we make, right? Every single person in here this morning is guilty of making mistakes, right? Right? Some people made them this morning, you know? <laughs> Put different color socks on, you know, went outside with mixed max shoes, you know, I, that's happened to my kids lots of times. You know, so you make mistakes and you know, and you, you, you learn a lesson that, you know, I need to be more careful, I need to pay more attention to what I am doing. So, as we look at this, and I was, I was thinking about um, my wife and I, um, and on our first uh, year anniversary, we went to the, to the Dells, you know, and we go to a good time, we've been married, we made it a year, and we were all excited, and um, we had uh, one, of these, one of these deals um, that if you listen to a presentation of the timeshare, <laughs> you, would, uh, you would get tickets to some of the water parks and things like that. So we're like, oh, this is easy. That's free, uh, free deal here. Let's, let's do it. So, you know, we sat through a promised 45 minutes, but it was about an hour and a half or two hour presentation. And, um, you know, we're both saying, now, the answer is no. Okay? <laughs> no matter what they do, no matter how many managers they send in, the answer is no. We just want the free stuff. Well, you come in, we do the tour, and we're impressed by what we see. You know, it's like, oh, man, but we've only been married a year. Do we really want to get into something like this? You know, no, we don't. The answer's no. answer's no. So we sit us down and um, they go over everything and they say, we think that you could afford this. This would be a great deal for you, da, da, da. And we're looking at it and we're saying, mm, no, we don't think so. Okay, I'll be right back. Uh, let, me go get my, let me go get my manager and see, you know, maybe, you know, I don't have the authority to, but my manager has the authority to do it. And the manager comes back, how you all doing? You know, all that, that fancy talk. Oh, you look good. You've been married one year, happy anniversary. You know, I think if we can work something out, you know, you can do this. Come on. Really? You know, we're like, no. Well, I'll be right back. <laughs> he goes and gets a district manager and the district manager comes in and, oh, how are you folks doing? Oh, my, my, my staff is telling me that, you know, you really want these timeshare, but you just got to find something that fits in with your, your finances and da, da, da. You know, I think we could do this and we do that. And, and by this time, me and my wife are starting to be influenced. We're starting to fall under the influence. And we're like, uh, maybe we can. <laughs> Big mistake. We signed the dotted line. We left the Dells with the timeshare. Yes, we did. After being married one year and all of that. But the 50-minute drive from the Dells back home, we said, you know, we got three days to change our mind. And we did. We changed our mind. We called them back and said, you know what? 
you know, we were, we were highly pressured into it. Uh, we made a mistake. We don't, we don't want to do, we don't want to do it. And we canceled. They didn't like us. They were kind of upset with us. You know, we said, Hey, it's our money. You know, we, we don't want to do this. And so we do it. So our lesson, we learned a lesson to stick to what we said we were going to stick to, even though we gave in. So we went to Florida <laughs> and we got free tickets to Disney world. You know how we got free tickets? <laughs> if you come on a tour and look at our timeshares, you will get these tickets. You know, we'll give you the tickets, you know. They took us out to brunch and everything. We had, you know, we had our kids with us and all of that. And, you know, they're talking with the kids. They're playing with the kids. They're being all nice to our kids. That's how you get to our heart. Be nice to our kids. Uh, giving them all kinds of things. And so we sat down and we said, the answer is no, right? And we stuck with it because we learned our lesson. We made a big mistake in the Dells. We learned our lesson that no matter what, we know that this is not what we need. This is not what we want. So let's stick to no. So please don't be influenced to do things that you know you should not do. Don't come under the influence of negative things or under the influence of things that will lead you into the wrong things or make you regret it for the rest of your life. So how do we avoid that? We avoid that by sticking close to God. Amen. Walking close to God, staying in tune with God, making sure our, our, our antennas are up and we are in tune. We're not getting a whole lot of static, but we are on station with God. And so we're going to look at some of the examples, some characters in the Bible who, who fell under the influence of negative pressures. And uh, we're going to see how they were handled. But we're also going to have some hope in how God allows us to, to handle those things. So under the influence is being negatively influenced by others that can cause great regret. And you can easily become influenced by the powers of prestige, position, and people. Influence is the uh, capacity to have an effect on, a character, on the character development and behavior of someone else. The ability to affect someone in a way that causes them to act or think a certain way, and we certainly did. Our answer was no, and they changed our, influenced us to say yes. They convinced us that we could afford something that we could not afford. All right? We learned the lesson. So it can be used positively or negatively. Okay, so places where we are influenced. There's four things, four places that um, we, um, we have here: um, job, your home, your church, and your community. These are places that we can influence people, or we are influenced. All right, on your job, you're influenced. You know, when you when you want to um, impress your boss, or when you want a promotion, things like that. You want to influence your boss that you're a good person, that you work hard, that you come in early and you stay late and do all of these things. You know, in the home, you know, you want to show your kids because you're, you're a big influence on your kids. You want to show them a positive role. You want to be a positive role model. You want them to come under your influence in a positive way. But if you do things that are not well, you're going to negatively influence them and they're going to come under your negative influence. And then in the church, we want, you know, I try to live my life so that I influence those that, that, that are um, listening to my teaching or those who are watching my life, and you should do the same. Those who are watching your life, who are listening to your testimony, you want to be a, a positive influence. You want them to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit that lives through and in you. Amen? Amen. 
And then in the community, your neighbors, your friends, you want to be a positive influence. You want them to see the Christ that's in you. You don't want to be always yelling at your neighbors, you know, telling them, keep your dog's mess out of my, well, you do want to tell them that, um, you know, keep your dog's mess, you know, but you want to be, you want to do it in a loving way. You want to do it in a way that, you know, it's not showing that you're a negative influence. And so we don't, we don't want folks to be influenced negatively by us. So friends, you, when you're amongst friends, it's called peer pressure. Friends, so any of your friends that are putting peer pressure, especially young people, if you're here this morning, you know, peer pressure is, it's a, it's a horrible thing when they're trying to get you to do things that you know your parents have influenced you not to do. Don't fall under peer pressure. And, and on the job, you know, your bosses, it's called career pressure. You know, don't cheat. Don't step on other people to try to get ahead. Don't gossip about other people. Don't, um, don't be a snitch on other people. Just do your job. Do your, mind your business. Do your work. God will see you, and, you know, they'll see you too. Uh, and if you're married, you know, it's yes, dear pressure. You know, so, <laughs> you know, you want to have a positive, you know, you want to make sure your spouse is, you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> so I don't need to get into that one. Uh, just yes, dear. Right? All right. So, <laughs> so if, you, if you could turn to Daniel chapter 6, we're going to look at uh, this first example in, in the Bible, uh, Daniel chapter 6. Verse, we're going to look at verse 1, so grab your, your Bibles there and your iPads, your iPods, your iPhones, and your eyeglasses. Yeah, like I told them last night, you don't have to laugh every time I say that. But it sure feels good. <laughs> All right? So, so thank you. Okay. I know if I'm, if I'm here, you know, five years from now and I'm still saying that, you, know, you guys are probably like, iPhones are way out of, you know, why is this still? I'm going to find something else. All right. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 100 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel impressed him so much that he wanted to set him over the kingdom. So take him out of the three and make him over all. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. Here's that stuff on the job. Co-workers trying to find something against you. Trying to find something against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could not find no corruption in him. Because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. He was a good worker. Finally, these men said... We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Okay? Now, they are, now they are attacking Daniel's relationship with God. They couldn't find anything morally wrong with Daniel. They couldn't find how Daniel was corrupt in his governmental affairs. They couldn't find any way that Daniel was not trustworthy. They couldn't find any mistakes that Daniel made in his life. So they said, we know Daniel is dedicated to God. 
and he loves the laws of his God. So since we can't get him on his personal side, we'll get him, we'll mess with his relationship with God. And this is what they do. The administrators and satraps went as a group, eh? not just one. It's dangerous when a group goes, right? They went as a group to the king and they said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed <laughs> that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. All right, so here's Daniel, uh, an exile, and he is uh, diligent and he is trustworthy. He is wonderful in his work. And, the king, and King Darius recognizes that Daniel is, you know, head and shoulders above all the others that he has. So he's planning on giving him the kingdom. They know this and they hear this and they're concerned about their own position. They're concerned about their own power. They're concer concerned about their position and prestige that they want to get rid of Daniel. So they investigate. They do some research. They try to find something against Daniel. They try to find a way that Daniel has not been perfect, that Daniel has messed up, that maybe he's been, you know, a crook or, or anything like that they're trying to find. And they don't find it. So they go to and attack his worship, his experience, his, his relationship with God. And they go to King Darius and they influence King Darius to make a decree, to make a law that if any man for the next 30 days is caught praying to any God or human, they will be thrown into the lion's den. King Darius is convinced and influenced by them. And so he makes the decree. He signs it so that it cannot be repealed. It cannot be, it cannot be changed. It is the, the laws of the, of the Medes and the Persians. It cannot be changed. Now, King Darius realizes, um, he quickly realizes this is a big mistake because Daniel, who is a man of God, who loves his God, is a man who has a, a routine of going up into his room and praying three times a day. Now, all the other ones knew that. They knew that Daniel was committed to his prayer time. And so they go at a time when Daniel's up praying. He opens a window. He's facing Jerusalem, and he's praying to God, and they catch him. They aha, we got you, Daniel. We couldn't find any other junk on you, but we got you here. So they immediately run to the king, and they tell King Darius, we caught Daniel. Didn't you not write a decree that if any man is caught praying, that you will throw them in the lion's den? Darius said, yes, I did. Well, Daniel disregarded your law, and he was praying. King Darius, oh big mistake. Why did I listen to those evil workers of mine? Why did I get influenced by them to do something that's going to hurt someone else or hurt someone that he loved? He admired, respected Daniel, even though they didn't serve the same God. You see, God can give you favor in the midst of your enemies. You believe that? See, God, you don't have to compromise who you are and what you are because just stay faithful to who you are in God and God will always look out for you. God will always have your back. So Darius is now disappointed because he has to follow the decree. He cannot go back on it. So he says, all right, Daniel has to be thrown into the lion's den. 
He said, but I'm hoping and I'm praying that the guy that Daniel serves will rescue him. Now, he's not, he, he doesn't even know God, but he's talking about Daniel and his God. He's hoping that Daniel's God will bless him. Lord, give me those kind of enemies. <laughs> that are hoping, God, that you bless me every way, which way and up, you know? Lord, give me those kind. So Daniel is now guilty, so they take him and they throw Daniel in the lion's den. The king goes home and he's, you know, before this, he's thinking, how can I get out of this? How can I get Daniel out of it? He fasts. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. He doesn't have any entertainment. He cannot sleep. And so he says, how can I get Daniel out of this? He doesn't figure anything out. Daniel's thrown in. Hmm. It just so happens that the lions aren't hungry. (laughs) Who do you think is working behind the scenes? Huh? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes people will try to throw you in the den of the lions or the dens of the enemies and, and God will all of a sudden just not make them hungry. They won't go after you. Daniel, I think Daniel used the lion for the pillow and slept on them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the lions just were not hungry. God shut the mouth of the lions. Even though King Darius was influenced by evil intentions and he learned the lesson, you still see how God works his power. Even when people have evil intentions against you, God still works on your behalf. Isn't that a great God? He's a great God. So King Darius is fooled. He was fooled by this. Daniel's in the lion's den. King Darius is worried about it. He can't sleep. He gets up the next day. He runs to the den and he says, oh, Daniel. And he hears Daniel answer, oh, king, live forever. Look at Daniel. He's still respecting the king. He hasn't gotten mad at the king. He hasn't said, oh, lazy, no good king that listens to everybody. You should have known better. He goes, he gives the king the credit due. Oh, king, live forever. And he said, did your God rescue you from the lion? Daniel said, yes, he did. The lions have not touched me. Matter of fact, they're nice and soft and cushiony. <laughs> Matter of fact, they make good pill- my pillow. You know? The lions have not touched me. And the king says, all right. I think the king had had a little rejoicing in him going on, you know, because Daniel was saved. His big mistake, his lesson learned, but God still worked through it. So the king said, now the big mistake that your satraps and administrators made, now they're going to learn a lesson. He said, go get all of them who set the trap for Daniel and throw them in the lion's den. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, Their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Sounds like those administrators, doesn't it? They dug a hole for Daniel and, boop, fell into it themselves. Your enemies, whatever traps and snares they set for you, Keep serving God because they will fall into it themselves. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. Let God, God can avenge your enemies better than you can. You cannot take care of the Bible. God says in the word, vengeance is mine. God doesn't need you to avenge anybody for for him or for yourself. He will take care of you. So no matter how much people are influenced with their evil intentions, you stick with what you know is right. You stick with God. You keep serving God, and God will take care of you. 
I know bad things happen. I know things happen that we have no control. But God always has a plan. Do you believe that? God is never left without. You will never find God with an empty notepad. <laughs> you won't. He will always have his pencils sharpened. His ink pens will always. He, you'll never see God going like this. <laughs> Try, he is always ready. He always has a plan. Always. So a big mistake. Don't set traps for people. The lesson we learn is that you will fall into it yourself even believers okay that's not just for for unbelievers believers don't set traps for people because you will fall into it too amen all right so manipulation he was manipulated the king was manipulated the jealousy of daniel's co-workers was set out to destroy him jealousy the co-workers appealed to king darius's pride hey only you king darius we can only pray to you. And King Darius succumbed to their deception. Jealousy, pride, and deception. Those three things. Negative influences. Don't fall under them. So, let's look at another example in the Bible. Judges. Chapter 13, I'm going to read just a little introduction of a man named Samson. And the story of Samson and Delilah. Okay? Delilah, a uh, uh, um, woman who uh, Samson fell in love, Samson, you know, came and he, he walked the streets. He found a, a lady of the streets and went in with the lady of the streets and, and um, fell in love with Delilah. And so God had called Samson here. Let, let's get to the scripture. Um, Judges 13. We have it here. Uh, verse 1. <clears throat> Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Sounds very familiar. An angel visiting a woman telling them they're going to have, you know, a son. Very, very Jesus type. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Dedicated to God from the womb. Sounds familiar. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. All right. So the Israelites are in the captivity of the Philistines and in comes into life this uh, judge and um, this man named Samson, who is to be the deliverer of Israel from the Philistines. So Samuel um, has some sensual <clears throat> <clears throat> sensual issues, <clears throat> excuse me, some sensual desires that are known uh, to those around and to Delilah. So Delilah is confronted, approached by uh, <clears throat> the men of the, the, the city, and they say, listen, we need you to find out 
<clears throat> where Samson's strength is. We need to find out how he has the strength so we can succumb him, subdue him, and destroy him. So Delilah goes and um, she, her and Samson, and she lays Samson on her lap. That's a dangerous place, isn't it? Because when you lay on the lap, you want to be rocked to sleep, right? Right? Think about it. Samson now is putting his guards down. Delilah is now working on influencing Samson's sensual desires. Samson is a strong man and he has a secret. And his secret is his strength, where it comes from. Strength wasn't his secret, but where his strength came from was the secret. So if Delilah could get Samson to uh, uh, um, give up his secret of where his strength comes from, then the men could come in and subdue him and lock him up and destroy him. So Delilah tells Samson, please, Samson, tell me, where does your strength come from? My dearest love, <laughs> my strong man who I love so much. Oh, sounds like a trap to me, doesn't it? Where does your strength lie? Samson lies three times. If you do this, then I'll be like other men once. She does it, he's still strong. Second time, if you do this, I'll be like other men. Nope. Third time, if you do this, I'll be like other men. Nope. Samson, you are lying to me. I thought you loved me. You keep telling me these things, and these things are just not true. She's really appealing. God, Samson is kind of like, hey, this is kind of fun. But all the while, he's becoming more and more influenced by Delilah, by her whisper in his ear, by her talk of how much she loves him and how much she adores him. And Samson is becoming influenced and weakened by this. Listen, people, listen followers of Jesus Christ, when you know and realize that you are starting to put your guard down and you are realizing you're not feeling as close to God as you should, or when you're starting to compromise some things, you better get up off the lap. Huh? Don't play, what is the old saying? You play too close to the fire, you're going to eventually get burned. Samson was playing close to the fire. He was revealing all of these pretty soon. The layers are keep coming off and he's going to get to the truth of where his strength comes from. So he tells Delilah, eventually, never has a razor touched my head. If my head was to be shaved, paraphrasing it, then I will become like men. He falls asleep. She calls the men in. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come in. Cut his hair off. If you cut his hair off, then he will be weak like you guys. <laughs> cut his hair off. They come, they cut the hair off. Samson, Samson, the men are coming, the men are coming. Samson jumps off, bloop, bloop. Oh, what happened? What happened to my strength? 
You neglected your strength. You gave your strength up. You revealed your strength. You told the secret of where your strength came from. You abandoned your strength. And how many times do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, abandon our strength? How often do we play close to something that we know it's a, it's a temptation, it's a weakness of mine, but we play close to it and we eventually fall into that? How often? So I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up your strength. Amen. Don't reveal the strength to someone who means no good, who has a negative influence on you. Young people, youth, don't give up your strength. Keep coming to Wednesday night youth ministry or Friday night youth ministry. Keep being involved with missions and ministry. Keep being involved with small groups. That's your strength. People, keep coming to church. Keep going to your life groups. Keep going to the care groups, the grief support groups. Keep going because that's where your strength is. Don't give up your strength because you're negatively influenced by something else. Keep loving people who are married. Stay married. Work it out. Fight for your marriage. Don't give up your strength. You that are single, don't let that man or woman come in your life and tell you all these good things. Honey, I'll give you the world. Honey, I'll do, let's just move in and we'll do this and we'll do that and I'll, I'll show you the world. And No, don't give up your strength. Is there a ring on it? Don't give up your strength. <laughs> don't give up your strength. Keep loving God. Keep serving God. Keep studying the word. Keep worshiping. Keep doing the things that bring you strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you serve God, you get joy. So don't give up that strength. Don't turn it over to the enemy. Keep it and hold on to it. Hallelujah. That's your strength. Keep coming back again. Don't give up. Don't get tired of worshiping and serving God. Don't get tired of serving those in the community, being involved with missions groups. Don't get tired of it. That's your strength. <laughs> and Samson turned it over. And they got his eyes out, put them and locked them up in the chains. Yes, big mistake, Samson. Lesson learned, don't play next to the fire. You're going to burn yourself. But you know what the good news of all of this is? That even when we make big mistakes, we serve a God who's bigger. Yeah, hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. We serve a God who's bigger than our mistakes. Oh, yeah. And you might think, oh, I made a big one, a big blunder. Uh, God is bigger than it. Oh, I messed up big. God is bigger than it. doesn't matter. God was still able, and Samson was still able to subdue those. Hey, God will restore. God will, re, 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 God will forgive. God will refresh and renew you. Hey, so don't give up because you made the mistake. Learn the lesson and live on and live on because God's got great things for you. God's got life for you, abundant life, right? Yeah, and we know, we know, I know, you know that things happen. We have no control of them. It's not to dress up being a Christian as 
purple flowers and, and all of this and, you know, la, la, la. We're all going around skipping and dancing and I'm a, I'm a Christian. No, we know it's hard. We know it takes prayer. It takes fasting. It takes loving your enemies. It takes forgiving those who hurt you. It takes humbling yourself. And it takes sticking to what you know gives you strength. And God gives us strength. Amen. All right. So, Samson learned. Delilah was deceitful. But we also see the one that we call our Savior, Jesus Christ. How does this tie in? What... How has Jesus, what, what happened with Jesus? Big mistake, lesson learned. What happened to Jesus? There were rulers, Pilate and Herod, when they were brought to Jesus. Let's look at uh, Luke 23. We'll have it here. 13. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, here's the influence, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. He deserved to die, right? According to their laws. But not Jesus. Jesus was innocent. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting. It was the shouting again. Voices of many people, just like the satraps and the administrators, they shouted, just like the men that wanted Samson. Now here the people are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. Second time, he tried to release Jesus, but they insisted. With the loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. They influenced Pilate to release Barabbas and crucify Jesus, even though Jesus did not deserve it. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. So here, Jesus is now suffering, going to die because of the influence that the people had on the rulers. Pilate and Herod, who could find no um, fault in Jesus, no reason to give him the penalty, so they were influenced, convict, convinced that Jesus should die. Jesus has done nothing wrong. When they say, well, he's blasphemed, he's done this, he's, 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 he's told us not to pay taxes and all these things, and some of the things were true, some of the things were lies and all of that. He did this, you know, he healed. Yes, he did, he did heal, all right? But that was not worthy of death. So what I love about looking at this story about Jesus is that Satan wanted Jesus to fail, didn't he? He was trying to influence everyone in Christ's path to make him fail. Satan really, listen, when you look at it, Satan really shouldn't, want, shouldn't have wanted Jesus to get to the cross. Satan tried his best before the cross to make Jesus fail. He tempted him in the wilderness because Jesus would have yielded to his temptation. It would have been over for us, right? 
They tried to kill Jesus several times in the, in the cities, but Jesus, Jesus escaped. Uh, Peter denied him. Um, uh, what's the guy's name? Judas uh, betrayed him. You know, all, all of these things. So Satan really tried to get Jesus to fail before he got to the cross. Because once Jesus got to the cross, even on the cross, okay, let's look at on the cross. Even on the cross, they told Jesus, you, you save everybody else. You've done all this. You heal. You know, why don't you save yourself? If you're the son of God, then come down off the cross. I don't know about you, but me, I would have came down. All right? <laughs> So you, you all wouldn't have been saved because I would have came down. But Jesus, <laughs> he stayed on the cross. He stayed on the cross because he needed to get to the cross so that he could give his life for us so that we could be saved. And Satan, you big mistake letting Jesus get to the cross because when he got to the cross, he was going to defeat sin. He was going to defeat death. He was going to defeat hell. Once he got to the cross, laid down his life, gave up the ghost, and God took on the sin. Jesus took on the sins of the world. And now we have a right and a chance to be saved if we accept him as our savior. What a wonderful Lord. What a wonderful Jesus. What a wonderful God. So big mistake, Satan, letting him get to the cross. Lesson learned that once he, when he died, he took my sins. He took your sins. He washed our sins away. Hallelujah. He gave us life abundantly. He gave us salvation so that we could live in the presence of his son. So we could have eternal life with him one day in glory. Oh, ha. Ah. Pilate and Herod were influenced, but it worked out pretty good, didn't it? It worked out pretty good. We could come together every Saturday and Sunday and we can worship God because Jesus got on the cross. Even over in some of the foreign countries, they can worship God. They can serve him when they're at a time they couldn't. And there are still some that are fighting too because Jesus died on the cross. So Satan, you should have stopped him before he got to the cross. But you couldn't because he has all power. He is almighty. He is all Great. Hallelujah. And he reigns today. And he offers that to us. He offers that to us. That mistakes are made, but they don't define you. They don't define you. You can recover from your mistake. Just learn your lesson. Learn your lesson. So today, this morning, maybe you were sitting here and you're Soaking over big mistake that you made. Don't worry. We serve a bigger God, right? He loves us. Accept God, accept Christ, accept the salvation that he brings. He will always prevail. So this morning, if you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ and become a follower of him, all that he did for us, he wants you to have that life. Maybe you want to restore, renew your commitment to Christ. I want to pray with you also. All right? So this morning, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So you that are already saved but have strayed away, if you repent, he is faithful to forgive you for all unrighteousness and bring you back home. So as I pray, you repeat these words. You can repeat them in your heart. But know 
that the Lord hears you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sin. Jesus Christ, you are the Son of God. You died for my sins. You rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved. I am renewed. In Jesus' name, amen.